Hello and welcome to the Planning People podcast. My name is Will Robbins and I am the editor of New Model Advisor. Today we are going to discuss financial well-being and joining me in the studio are three guests, among whom is Chris Budd, chairman of uh, Southwest planning firm Ovation Finance, but also founder of the Initiative of, for Financial Wellbeing. Joining him uh, are Simon Neeson, founder of Wise Monkey Financial Coaching, and Tom Morris, a director and chartered financial planner, also at Ovation. Uh, so just before we begin, Chris uh, or Tom, could you just briefly explain uh, what's, uh, the sort of pr the, the, what proposition o Ovation provides? Oh, you, you, you've passed it over to myself. Oh, yeah. uh, we are a financial planning company who very much put at the forefront what we do with clients is, is a coaching element. And what we mean by that is really helping people to understand what they want out of life. Because then ultimately we plan around that and then the advice comes afterwards. So it's a three-part process we go through. I know Chris has done the rounds and talked at length about, about that uh, coaching planning advice model. Um, but yeah, a, a financial planning company in Bristol. Yeah, Great. there you go. And, uh, and Simon, uh, Wise Monkey is a financial coaching business. Could you explain what that involves? Yeah, I, so I come from a financial services background. I used to be uh, an independent financial advisor, but I broke away from that because I felt that there was a need for more kind of guidance and support with money that wasn't about products. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of people that don't uh, seek the advice of a, a financial advisor, but they've got themselves into a lot of trouble around money or they have worries or insecurities or they want to make plans or... or work out the um, whether something is possible in their lives but but outside of regulated financial advice so it's guidance and support empowerment and really also helping people get out of their own way and help them change habits and behaviors that don't serve them right interesting so let's uh, well let's crack on uh, into into financial well-being um, so Chris I'm going to start with you uh, explain for us what is the initiative? for financial well-being? The Initiative for Financial Wellbeing, or the IFW, um, is uh, what it's called until we're allowed to call it the Institute of Financial Wellbeing. Right. <laughs> we started off calling it the Institute, but then found out you're not allowed to call it an institute until the Secretary of State allows you to, which ah. is, uh, <laughs> found that out a little bit late. So yeah, the, the Initiative of Financial Wellbeing is a place to bring people together to shine a light on good practice and good ideas. Um, there's a basic uh, fundamental truth that money doesn't make you happy, it's what you do with it. And uh, there's a feeling amongst our members, um, because we've got lots of people interested, that um, the financial planning uh, profession, financial advice profession, is all about uh, investments, tax, savings, etc. And it should be a little bit more about what makes you happy. You know, what's the point in financial planning if it's not to make people happier? So the strapline from um, the financial well-being book that I wrote, which we're also using in the initiative, in the IFW, is it's about helping people to be happier, not just wealthier. Right. Now, we'll go on to the membership and questions about that in, in a second. But uh, you, you explained it a little bit. But why, why, what made you set up this? Uh, you know, what made you set, a, set it up as an initiative, as, as, a, you know, as more than just, you know, uh, bit of goodwill among planners? 
to try and um, bring people together, really, uh, to be a meeting place. The uh, the old IFP was a great place for people to come and um, and share ideas. Uh, Barry Horner, a well-known person mm-hmm. in the profession of Paradigm Norton, I remember him talking, he was one of the founders of the IFP, and I remember him saying that uh, his accountant and solicitor's friend couldn't believe that people would come who are competitors and share all their ideas with each other. Um, and so we wanted to try and recreate something like that, but to make it about happiness, not just about, as I say, investments, etc. So one rainy January afternoon, um, I professed to being maybe a bit bored, and I put out a tweet and said, if I did a conference, would anybody come? And much to my horror, about 38 people said yes, which means I had to and do my it. my horror as well, because I thought it was going to be me involved and trying to put it together. So I called Tomo and said, Tomo. <laughs> so we, um, we had a conference. It was great. We had some really good speakers, an amazing keynote in a chat called Miles Hilton Barber. Uh, everybody should look him up because he's just so, so amazing. A uh, 70-year-old blind explorer inspired everyone. And afterwards, we did a, a, a survey and said, look, this is great, but we need to do something more than this you know we meet we, we can take this further if everybody wants to so if we did something else like an institute uh, who's up for it and we got 50 people say yes i then went to them and i said uh, that's brilliant you'll actually have to do something mind you that took it down to 25 people which <laughs> which was still enough so yeah. we, did, we did a press release which you guys have been very helpful with and, and um we hoped that might get another 50 would be pretty cool, you know. And to date, we've had 378 people um, come back to us and say, we think that this would be great. Can we be part of it, please? We've got lots of institutions saying, can we sponsor it? Maybe we can come back to that. Um, we've got people, uh, various institutes and charities saying, can we help with you with your research? It's just been phenomenal, frankly. Um, we've got an executive of seven people, of which Tomo was one who uh, are taking forward the various streams that we've designed, taking that to the membership, and, yeah, we're getting this thing on. So what is the uh, what's the next step then? And maybe it involves sort of talking to uh, institutions, as, as you alluded to. But, you know, what, yeah, what are the, the next steps? So uh, as far as we are concerned, as far as what we're trying to do is concerned, the membership initially said there are four areas they wanted to focus on. The first is research. So there are lots of universities that do research into happiness and, and money, etc. But quite often, nothing really happens to that research. It just sits there as good ideas. So we want to get that out in the open. Secondly, we want to turn some of that research into tools, practical tools that financial planning firms can use with their clients. Thirdly, we're going to start putting on some events. Um, Tombo's in charge of the regional network. How many, how many people have we got, Tombo, wanting to run regional events? If I said quite a lot. But 40 plus, yeah. isn't it? I yeah, mean, no, there was a really yeah. good response. And we're just at the moment trying to work out what regions what regions look like. Because be quite frank, my geographical knowledge <laughs> of certain areas of the UK is not as good yeah. as the Norfolk. people over here. We're looking at you, Norfolk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so people have come, come back already and are really keen to, to get wow. involved and try and get the message out there, which is great. And then the fourth area is uh, connecting with other organisations, either to partner slash sponsor us, um, or to get involved and uh, share the message. Uh, people like the Money Charity, for example, uh, companies doing doing good. Those are right. the first four areas, okay. and then we've got a few other areas that are in the pipeline. And the um, the support from uh, institutions, you know, perhaps providers and so on, is interesting because you got uh, some support and help from Parmenian in doing the financial wellbeing conference but i remember there was a uh, there was a caveat put on that from, absolutely from, and we're taking that result. caveat forward big time so uh we really want companies to come and uh, work with us but we want to kind of reinvent sponsorship so 
we don't just want to take somebody's money so that they can stand next to us and say we do financial well-being and then not actually do it. Mm. What we're going to do, therefore, is that anybody who, <laughs> this is slightly tongue-in-cheek, but only slightly, uh, anybody who wants to sponsor us, we will allow you to give us your money <laughs> if you can demonstrate that well-being really is at the heart of your business. Uh, we will be using a company called Happy City, who um, I declared interest, I'm a, a trustee of, but yeah. they have well-being measurement tools, so we're going to be using their, some of their tools to help measure well-being within companies um, and help them get on a path to improve well-being. And only companies who are committed to that will we then say, yes, you've passed our tests, we will allow you to give us some money and to partner us and to get involved with us. It's more than just giving money, it's getting involved in research. And I don't know yet, there's some interesting conversations to be had with some of those companies. Right. Yes, I remember happy city from the conference yeah. uh obviously which i attended thank you for, for inviting me along to that uh and it was uh yeah it was great there was there was a great energy and i suppose I'm not surprised at the the sort of enthusiasm that the your more recent announcements uh has uh, has been met with but uh simon and, and tom just tell me what's your nature now what's the nature of your involvement uh, with the the uh, the initiative, I'll say that again, uh, Simon and Tom. So, what's your what's the nature of your involvement with the initiative and the well-being project? I suppose. Shall I start? Yeah, yeah, well, I I unfortunately wasn't able to attend the conference because uh, I was delivering a training of my own that week. But um, I this is very much at the heart of the work I do. That kind of sense of well-being. I work with a lot of people that are that have stress and anxiety and worries around money and secrets that they don't declare with anybody. And so financial well-being is really important to me. So when I heard about this initiative, I was like, yeah, I definitely want to get involved. Uh, how exactly, I don't know. I would love, uh, I would love, I'm training up a lot of people to become financial coaches and I would like to be able to offer them ways of working with clients where maybe they get some practice in some of the skills and they don't charge the clients. So maybe we could set up a pro bono arm to the, the wellbeing initiative. Mm. Uh, I'd like to get out there and, and reach, the, reach a, an audience that we're not reaching within financial services. That's at the heart of my interest in this, really. Yeah. Simone and I have had a chat about this, and there's a number of ambitions that we've got for the for the IFW, and that would that's a great one. Um, that's gone straight into our list of, of things we'd like to get like to get involved with. Somehow putting people who need advice but can't afford it together with people who can give that, but do so from a financial well-being perspective, mm. and and a coaching, hopefully a bit of coaching, training, and knowledge as well. Interesting. Yeah, I quite like to see how that, that pays out. And, so and will we, yeah, yeah. will we, someone? Yeah, yeah, we'll be interested to see yeah. how that works out as well. <laughs> it's <definitely> <laughs> but it's good, I mean, it's good to see the experimentalism as well, I think. I think that's probably what's needed. Uh, so Tom, as well, I feel, you know, you've, you had to organise that conference and now you're well, now well, having to do everything else. Well, 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 I imagine yeah, you're doing well, everything else with Chris as well, well now. Well, so, well, yeah. say, saying I organise it would, would be a disservice to, to the guys at Parmenian. They, yeah, they were, yeah. a lot of their involvement was the... Uh, getting the bums on seats and, and getting it going. But Sorry to yeah. interrupt, but I just, just should just say about Parmenian sponsoring the conference, to be fair to them, when they first contacted us and said this aligns with our brand values, I did apply that same caveat, which was prove it. Yeah. And they did. They stood up on stage for 20 minutes and Sarah Lyons delivered a very good presentation proving that they do actually live it. So I uh, just want people thinking that we're being hypocritical there. You know, when, when Parmenian helped us um, organise the thing, it was... Uh, it was with yeah. the, with a caveat, uh, and their support okay. was it, it wasn't financial. It was help. It was definitely logistical, wasn't it? Because the Very idea of me and you on our own trying <laughs> to put it on <laughs> filled us with dread. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a good day. Um, 
So yeah, my involvement in the uh, initiative, being on the executive board, is it executive board? It will be. Executive board. Um, I'm looking after the regions, so reaching out to the various people across the country um, to help get some of this research that, that we're, we're getting and, and providing some of the tools and enabling people to be in the same place to talk about it throughout the year. And as well as that, um, involved with Julie Lord of Magenta Financial yep, Planning. Familiar to New Model Advisor. Yep. And we are currently in the midst of trying to put together next year's conference. Right. So, uh, yes, we're, we're busily doing that. So, yeah, very much events and regional uh, representation is where my responsibilities and involvement at the moment lie. And if I could just add one little thing to that, uh, the, I think this is a member-led organisation, so the regional events are also a place where people can come and bring their ideas, mm, um, yes. feed, feedback into us about Definitely. what they would like to see happen. One of the things that's been so interesting of the 370-plus people, a lot of people are doing this already, but we're all doing it in our own different way, in our own fractured and unique way. Mm. And we want to just share the ideas so that we can come up with a consensus um, add the research, add the theories to it, add the work that Smondos do it, and you're going to start hopefully bringing together a powerful new way of delivering financial planning. Yeah, I mean, from a personal perspective, that's what I'm really excited about is how other people are, are approaching this and, and, and seeing their approaches. We have our approach at Ovation, and I'm sure we could pick up tons of stuff from the, uh, from the community. So, yeah, really excited. And having been involved... Um, and seen that sharing community that there is in financial planning. So I'm involved with next-gen planners, and that's a place as well where people are not afraid to share what they've learned mm -hmm. and to help all of us improve what we're doing because ultimately it's for the end, the, the, the end beneficiary of this is the clients that we service and we help. Um, so I think sharing is, is going to be a big positive that's going to come from this. Can I ask a question around this? Uh, is um, it also open to, is the idea also to open up this initiative to consumers, to the general public, to let them know kind of what our thinking is in, within the industry? I, I don't know, is <laughs> the honest truth. Uh, at the moment, we're just sticking with membership being for financial advisors, planners, but whether regulated or under, of coaches as well, you know, but, but people who deliver some form of financial um, advice to individuals. Um, we want to get out to the public by involving product providers, for example, fintech organizations, charities, the connections element of it. Where it goes after that, let's see, you know. Um, but I just bite one thing off at a time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an element of concentrating on what we know yes. or who yeah. we know yes. at the moment. But but yeah, after that, I mean, this the, mental well-being is going to be something that I think we all want to get get looking at um, and get involved in. There's lots of different areas that, that could do. So we've got to get a bit of, a bit of an ambitious wish list, um, and we want to hear from more people. You know, get involved and uh, and tell us what you would like us to have a look at. Interesting. Yes, and uh, Simon, your, your point from from earlier, there were um, wasn't sure whether to interpret it as there are uh, we want to want to train train financial advisors planners into the arts of of uh, of coaching or be able to or or and or co connect the world of financial advice with that of coaching yeah both really yeah. um i have got a lot of people that i've trained that could potentially sit inside the financial financial advisory type practice so like Ovation do coaching, planning, advice. Mm. 
many IFA practices don't do it quite like that, but they could bring in somebody who's trained in the soft skills yeah. to, to work with a client in the first instance before they move into the planning process, for instance, or, or working with those clients that don't meet the criteria of their financial advisory practice. Many people have fallen through this advice gap because they don't have enough money to invest or they don't have a, a, a sizable chunk of money to pay fees in the first instance. So it's those people that I, that I most profoundly kind of want to help. Yeah. And if there's a way of getting that into financial services, service practices, that would be great. So there's uh, a point that, that I'll just pick up on there. There's a lot of people who, um, in the coaching world, not financial coaching, just general business coach. Oh, I'm a qualified business coach. And I always use the word qualified because there's a lot of people who call themselves a coach who have not actually got any training. Mm. Likewise, I don't think you should call yourself a financial coach unless you've been trained in financial coaching. Um, that's one of the objectives of the IFW is that there's an awful lot of firms out there using the words financial well-being as a kind of way of making themselves look good. And then when you look under the bonnet, they don't actually do anything to do with, with happiness at all. And I want us to get in the face of that, frankly. I want us to say, look, if you're going to put financial well-being on your marketing, bloody well do financial well-being, you know? Um, and uh, that's part of the reason for, the, for the, the sponsor partner arrangement is that we want firms to be able to prove it, you know, by, by, by aligning themselves with us. They can prove we really do because the IFW's checked us out. Um, where, where this goes, I don't know. Um, something, uh, some sort of badge, maybe, you know? I, d I don't know. I don't know quite exactly how this will work out for firms. But if a firm says we have, as so many of them have done, it's amazing how many, comp how many people, when they have um, said, yes, we're interested in getting involved, they put a little line that says, this is at the heart of what we do. Brilliant. That is so good and heartening to hear. But prove it. Yeah. Let's actually see it. And don't just use it as marketing. Let's actually make this real. Yeah, important point. So, I mean... Somehow, since the Financial Wellbeing Conference and since sort of you know our coverage of it and so on, I've magically been receiving a lot of press releases about it. I don't know whether um, about financial wellbeing well, is about, in about well financial wellbeing. Yeah, sadly, not not just about your conference. <laughs> um, but some of these, you know, some of them will will include lines, you know, that sort of tying. Uh, financial well-being to to a savings scheme or po topping up your pension or providing childcare vouchers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, these, no doubt, good things to for a business to provide. And we talked about Parmenian and others being measured on their contribution to well-being and have it, having it embedded. Those sorts of things, are those are they financial well-being or it's so something else? Um, it's almost like you're pushing my buttons, Will, isn't it? <laughs> uh, they can be. They're part of it. Of course they're part of it but they're only part of it. Yeah. And that's the thing. So financial well-being is a broad topic. It's anything that involves money and happiness or unhappiness. Um, and if you have a savings scheme, will that make you happier? Well, if that savings scheme is aligned to a very clear purpose, um, to something that will make you happy, yeah, great. If that savings scheme, you don't know what it's for, probably not. So um, if fintech, if uh, providers are going to use the expression financial well-being, it needs to be genuinely around a purpose and a happiness. Uh, uh, simply accruing money does not make you happy. There's lots of studies that show that um, materialism is against happiness, against well-being. So if you're just accruing money, you don't know why, that's not going to make you happy. So um, if they're going to use these, this term, let's use it with real purpose and let's help them to do that. You know? Yeah, I just clarified the point. 
about there's nothing wrong with building um, wealth because actually we, yeah. we feel a plank of financial well-being is financial options. So often it's that you do need to build up build up some some wealth in the long run, and this is a things like pensions and, and savings and that sort of thing comes in. But as Chris mentioned, you've got to know what that is actually funding. And that's where I think when you actually have a clear idea about what that is actually going to go towards and giving you, and it doesn't have to be precise, but at least giving you an idea of what the future could look like, that's where the well-being could be enhanced. And Simon, I, you know, you met when you were describing your own proposition, the coaching you deliver, you know, you mentioned a couple of intriguing things that, you know, people, that people hang on to secrets or how, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot going on basically behind, behind the surface. I'm intrigued just to hear a bit more on, on your perspective about what what you find with your clients, what are sorts of issues that they're bringing that you know bringing to you that you're solving? Yeah, for. I mean, financial well-being for me is really about reducing the anxieties that people have relating to money. So it's on the one hand, yes, it's making them happy. Is money making you happy? And you know, what co- what can we do to enhance your life to make it happy? But also, what's getting in the way? What are the things? What are the blocks? What are the obstacles that are get, getting in the way that are stopping you from aligning your habits and behaviours with what's truly profoundly important to you? Mm. And that's the area that um, that I I hear a lot of with with the clients I work with. So there might be people that are on the outside really successful, doing well in their careers, and um, look to be very happy and content, but inside they're they feel like a complete mess. They feel very immature when it comes to money. They're worried. They're waking up uh, sleepless nights over either lack of security or perhaps the debt they're in. There's all this going on beneath the surface that we often don't know with with people that we meet. Um, and it, this is happening to everyone. This is all around you, all around of us, but we often don't see it. I hear a lot of those secrets that they've not shared with anyone in the world, the shame, the guilt, the fears, Mm -hmm. the anxieties, the worries. That's the bit that that I most profoundly kind of want to help people rectify. Can I I just ask, maybe this is a moment, time out for the podcast. Um, Can you tell that marvellous, marvellous thing that you do with people about money walking in the room? Just to, to to bring to life what yeah. financial coaching actually is to give use that. So so for instance, one of the so I do a lot of work in in helping people kind of offering a space where where people can talk about their relationship to money, right. what money means to them, uh, how they feel about money, that type of thing, and and through that they can gain insight. So it's not me solving it for them. It's it's giving the space for them to hear their own thoughts and and work out what's getting in the way themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, for instance, one of the exercises I do with clients sometimes is I ask them to personify money, to imagine it comes to tea. So you imagine it's knocking on your door. What does it look like? How does it dress? How does it behave? How, how, uh, how uh, warm do you feel in its company? How long do you want it to stay? Now that kind of question often gives people an instant insight. Now, if, if you're not visually minded, it's not always easy to conjure up. But for most people, personally, I find that quite difficult to answer. But for most people I ask that question to, they come straight out with an answer, like it's the devil 
it's it's a a woman in a tweed suit and who's pointing a finger at me and my favorite when you told me this Simone was it's the monopoly man yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it's certainly someone I'd like to sort of be there for, for a bit and then know when it's time to <laughs> <laughs> doesn't that stay there welcome doesn't that stay there welcome <laughs> yeah just sort of politely uh, you know, you know yeah. make them sort of, that's very interesting I mean um, uh, you know I've, I've had my own sort of financial planning experience well, exp- financial planning experience sounds like a great band but um, <laughs> I uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I started I started you know working with financial planner last last year with uh, Joe and Alfie from ELA mm, um, yep. and uh, that Pro, that process, because we haven't invested any money. I've invested a, a single pound. It's just been sorting out my mess of a budgeting, you know, uh, and, and, and sort of f- some other funding goals that we, we, we needed to uh, have a real, really good plan to get to. But there was that, that financial life planning, I suppose, is what we've often called it, process at the beginning, but really, you know, coaching, I suppose. I don't know if it's exactly uh, what you'd, you'd do, um, but it was, it was, had similar kind of, profound impact uh, and implications and was there was there was a fair bit there about the relationship with money um but it is a skill it's so, definitely a skill so i i this is really interesting so i i fed it into that you know some of what you were saying then i think a lot of financial planners out there can earn, learn an awful lot from from the approach of financial coaches and really understanding people's emotional responses to money so i found that really interesting um but it, you you somebody has obviously done a bit of coaching with you done planning yeah so those two that's what you've done this far and you've got an awful lot of value from that yeah there's not even been any advice yet yeah specifically no, no. but unfor- unfortunately that's the way the regulations are an awful lot of our time cpd training etc is all focused on that last element the technical advice now for a lot of people that is still in very important to get right um but a lot of there is an awful lot of neglect on the importance of really honing the coaching and the planning skills. And you're a real testament to how that has impacted you. And yet the irony is there's no requirement for the regulator for you to do any of that at all. The requirement for yeah. the regulator is to pass CII exams, which are all technical. So yeah. people have to spend their own time and money to go out and get the softer skills as the, the I don't like that term, but that's the easy shortcut. There is a point I'd like to make at this at this juncture, well, if I may, which is we've talked about uh, lifetime planning, we've talked about financial coaching, advice planning. I mean, there's all sorts of different terminology for broadly the same thing. There's also lots of people doing really cool stuff. Um, if you look at George Kinder's stuff, you know, there's some great things in there. Yeah. Um, but there is a bit of a tendency um, that I'm personally uncomfortable with that says, and this isn't Kinder, I don't think he's like that at all, but that there is a bit of a tendency for people to say, this is the way to do it, and if you don't do it this way, you're wrong. Okay. And I don't think that's very helpful. I don't think it's helpful to say my way is the right way. So what we're trying to do with the IFW is to just to say, look, there's loads of really good ideas. This central premise is that it's not about the money, it's about happiness. Other than that, let's talk. Let's get together and just share our ideas yeah. and borrow from each other and learn from each other. We're not saying that if you don't do it this way, you're wrong. We're just doing, saying this is a really cool way to do it. 
That's, I think that's a really well-made point, actually, because I think some people's assumption might be that, oh, great, we're going to hear now the, you know, the Ten Commandments yeah, of it. No. Uh, the, you know. Don't worry, we've got opinions. Yeah. Oh, boy, we've got <laughs> but opinions. It, but it's not, that's not just the, the only thing. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was reflecting on your, your launch a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, I want to bring up this tweet that I wrote. Which I thought, <laughs> you know, I said something like, along the lines of, um, financial planning, that financial planning describes a process, but financial well-being describes an outcome. Uh, and I thought, because of that, that the movement or the idea of the, the, uh, the initiative had, had legs, had serious legs. And uh, Chris, I think you said something along the lines of, can I steal that? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I actually completely forgotten about it since, I must admit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is a great line. And I think what it's saying is, is that... Um, we're not saying that you have to follow this way of doing things. We're just saying, why don't you focus on a different outcome? It's not about money. You know, yeah. why do we talk to clients about their investments? They don't want to know most of them. Those that do tend to be a bit of a pain anyway. <laughs> or they go and do it themselves. Let's talk about what makes you happy and how money can help achieve that. That's the premise. And how we do it, let's all share our ideas. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, do you think there's, just a just slight aside before we move on to something else, do you think there's a slight... Uh, you know, e evolution of, of 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 the financial services market and of, of, of economics going on here because you've the commoditization that we've seen with investment, for example. You know, I can I could I could go to I could buy my funds from from the fund supermarket. Now I can get a portfolio made by, made for me by a, you know a digital wealth manager. I can get my financial cash flow plan done on a widget online. I've I've had it done. I think I think even vouched for offer that service um and i could even you know maybe even i could i could chat to someone on the phone or even a chat bot could probably get me through a few initial stages so there is there is something there that to say not uh, to take anything away from from the sort of laudable laudable reasons behind what you're doing but a, but a necessity there as well to to take the next step in in terms of what this profession offers people yeah I, i've been talking about this for quite a few years now about coaching skills mm. and and the, the the line that i think summarizes it all is you can't challenge your own assumptions so if you're a financial advisor that's just talking about investments yeah i reckon you'll be gone in 10 years honestly um because people can buy that as you say but the one thing that people can't do is challenge their own assumptions um and that's what you need a well-qualified, well-trained coach, financial coach to help you do. And that coach can be part of the financial planning process, but you get that right as an advisor and you get the lot. You get that right, the coaching and the challenging, and then you get to do the investments as well by and large. So it's definitely the, the place that I think personally that advisors and planners need to be. I don't know what you think, Simone. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there is a growing need for people to show that they're different because there are uh, aut automated advice portals that we can we can get rebalanced sure. portfolios done and all that kind of thing so i think we've got to add more value but i think also there's more i think we we all as human beings expect more now from service providers so i think you know people are hiring personal trainers they're um, yeah. they they need we, we're recognizing that we need support. We, get, we have a cleaner, we, have, we want someone in our life that's going to be affirming, that's mm -hmm. gonna be, gonna help us achieve our goals, that's gonna uh, hold us to account, motivate us, and also, as you say, challenge our assumptions, mm -hmm. challenge our beliefs, help us see things, have a voice to, to, 
uh, to hear our thoughts. Um, and it's an awful lot more fun to do, isn't it, Tom? Mm, it is. It is. I, the, the amount of time we spend talking about a client's investment portfolio in our planning meetings is uh, minutes, if that. It, it, it's all about what you've both just spoken about. And I, I, I would add in here, it's um, you're there to encourage a lot of the time because people sometimes are not are not uh, confident enough to do certain things that they can do and, and you're there to encourage, but also sometimes to be a critical friend mm. and sometimes say the hard truths that people do need to hear. And as Chris said, it's very difficult to challenge your own assumptions. So yeah, absolutely, you could have a portfolio put together by, by a, a robot or I'm not sure it's quite a robot behind <laughs> it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, Maybe a platform's yeah. top fifty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, some cracking funds on there. Yeah, um, or you know, some planning software. But ultimately, what's going in? Are you? Is that really what you want? Yeah. Is that really a fair assumption used? And that's where I think good challenge can can really enhance someone's long-term well-being. There you yeah. go. I snuck it in there. That's an excellent. I mean, it's an excellent point, and you know, just. It's just to dip back into my own experience. Certainly found myself in that, you know, the process I went through, I'd be, the first answers I gave were kind of the answers I thought I should give to some of the questions. Mm. It was like a, like a, you know, that first layer of, of me and sort of without getting sort of you know, too deep about it, it was, it was about eventually asking the same question over and over again or in a different it's way. It's like peeling an onion. And, yeah, and then yeah. it got to the meat. And that's where the sort of actually when you know, the, the reputation for the George Kinder stuff comes from, but that's kind of where the emotion is as well, mm. because it's often, I think, because it's unexpected. You know, it's an unexpected emotional attachment to certain things or, or belief or, or reaction. So we're going to have um, to start calling you Onion Boy from now on, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Onion's a many-layered thing, as we know. Uh, and they make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> but, we, but that's a really interesting point, because we are pre-programmed to give certain responses. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and if we're not, you know, I always think of the example of so what we like to do well you know i'd like to retire at 65 and this is a real blunt example yeah, yeah granted but it's simply a question what's made you say 65 and then they start to and then you start to realize well that's when everyone else retires and, so, and then you can start to go into more detail on that because a lot of people will be pre-programmed to do their financial planning around what the rest of society thinks they should do or what everyone has done before or their parents have done before um and, you know, we use a, a phrase, I think it's quoted in, in the book, but we use it in the workshops we do with employees around the country, is know thyself. It's really important to know what you're about, but how do you learn that? Mm. You know, who's asking you those critical questions? Simone, is that familiar to you? I mean, what, what yeah, and, and also it's so much more meaningful, isn't it? Mm. Your, the impact you can have if you're asking those kind of questions, the deeper questions to really help people understand what's profoundly important to them and then and only then align their finances to that it's it's as a practitioner it makes it such a a, a richer experience for you uh, and of of course for your clients do you know of the dunning kruger effect well humor me the dunning kruger effect basically is that we learn new things at a slower rate than which we think we learn them right and uh good friend and, and one of the geniuses, I think, of our of, in our industry, Neil Bage, um, yep. taught me all about the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, and what happens is, as we start to learn a new thing, we think we know lots about it, we think we become experts, and then we stop learning. Okay. Um, 
And if we carried on learning, we would very quickly realise we didn't know as much as we thought we did. Okay? And I think this happens in our profession all the time. And it particularly happens around coaching. Um, I don't know if you can hear a little buzzing. There's a little bee going off in my bonnet right at the minute. <laughs> because one of the... I'm hoping that someone will back me up on this. Uh, otherwise, I could be demonstrating the Dunning-Kruger effect myself right <laughs> oh, now. <laughs> knowingly. knowingly. Yes. Um, but uh, one of the things about coaching is that... And it was a revelation for me when I went my, through my training. Is that the best questions are simple ones. Okay. And just a simple... The Tomo's example of 65... How did you come up with 65? That's it, you know. And I do see on social media and what have you, a lot of people keep saying you've got to ask the really insightful questions. You've got to ask the really clever questions. The really, you know, I've got a killer question. No, you don't. You just ask simple questions that are about the other person. Um, so if you're going to be practicing coaching skills, go and get some coaching training. Yeah, I would back that up. I, I, I would. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, would, I, call them, I would call them powerful questions, yep. which doesn't mean to say that they're complex. You know, like if money came to tea is a bit of a, uh, you know, more complicated question. It's certainly not an everyday question. But it's, but it's something that offers them insight. It's not easy to answer. It enables them to gain ideas. Um, so that's, so Tomo's example is perfect that... What, where does that assumption come from? You know, talk me through your thinking there. That's a powerful question. So it's not a complicated question, but it's a but it's a powerful one. So I think that's that's the key really is trying to find those kind of questions that are not straightforward and easy to answer. And it could just simply be, what else? Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? Yeah. I, I, and repeat that question. George Kinder's famous for that, repeating that question. Anything else? And what gets revealed right at the end is the most important part. Yeah, absolutely. It's that peeling of the onion again. And I, I know going through the gym, I'm, I remember when I first joined Ovation, what, f- I think four and a half years ago now, I was a very different financial planner to who I am now. And that's going through and trying to learn these coaches because I have still got lots to learn on the subject. Um, but one thing I really got in the a bad habit of doing was focusing on my question, on the que- next question in my mind, rather than listening to what was being said to me. Right. So now it's almost like... <laughs> Sorry, look at Will's face. With, oh, as, I was just uh, thinking to my next question. me looking down at my notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was really guilty for it because uh, people who know me know I'm a talker as well. Um, so I just got in the habit of simply just starting the next question with what or how, just literally that word, and then I would just roll something out because it naturally then comes because it's simple, simple questions then peel peel back that extra layer or what's important or even that. just holding a silence mm. which gives them time to process their thinking and then you've just taken a breath really and then you're able to spontaneously come up with the next question yeah. and the reason we're talking about this well is um we've been uh, ovation we've been coaching or with uh, a company called quiver management we've been training coaches for financial advice for, for quite a while mm. um and what happens when you coach people in, in, as part of the process is that you do get into financial well-being almost naturally because you realize it's not about the money. It's about what makes you happy. And so the two things do, they're symbiotic. They do go together. Can I ask, um, where can people get these coaching skills from? If you want uh, generic, if I can put it that way, coaching skills that you can use in a financial advice situation, 
Uh, the easiest thing is to drop me an email, frankly. Uh, Chris at theeternalbusiness.com, and I can organize that. Full-blown financial coaching, however? So I, I offer a, a quite intensive five-day training, uh, which is designed really for people that are, are wanting to create a financial coaching practice that perhaps isn't regulated or to... Uh, to use financial coaching skills in their own practice. But I am looking at creating something a bit more bespoke for financial advisors um, in the new year. So watch this space. I am. I am watching this space. (laughs) I haven't heard that. Um, So here's a question. Say, uh, look, just something that's happening at the moment uh, in uh, journalism land, which may or may not be important, probably not. But, uh, you know, I've seen a couple of articles uh, labelling advice fees uh, as a wealth wealth tax. I've seen uh, blogs directly challenging advisors' claims that peace of mind is a commodity worth their clients paying for. Uh, and I've even seen, uh, this. even this weekend, I was f- messaged by an old friend on LinkedIn asking, what value do advisors provide for the money they charge? In fact, I, he said, I've seen the fee structures end-to-end, and there seems to be a bit of a gap there. Uh, it's challenging me, basically, to uh, to explain what advisors do for their money. Uh, personal view, I don't think... I mean, this may seem like this argument's happened before, but my feeling is I don't think advisors are going to be able to hide from this now, necessarily, and say, well, it all becomes clear when the client is in my office and they see the pro- process for themselves, No, although no doubt that that's true and I've no doubt that's true so I kind of want to put the question to all of you what value do advisors or planners provide for what they charge in the context of what we're talking about um may I suggest going back and listening to the last 20 minutes of our conversation (laughs) um I do generally think we covered off an awful lot yeah it's a very it's a very valid point because when people are spending their hard-earned money they want to know they're getting a good service and value from it now value for money is really in the eye, eyes of the beholder. We, we, we can't tell someone it's value for money for them. I think it has to be that individual's choice. Now, many people who are not going to see the value in it are probably people who are not very good at taking advice or have spent a lot of time and effort learning and reading up around certain topics such as investments and feel as though they're very comfortable doing them themselves. Yeah. People I think will get value is got those difficult questions, those anxieties, um, lack of time, or someone who really just needs some reassurance along the way, um, all around that piece around coaching and planning. And let's not get away from the fact that for financial advisors, it's actually very important to get the technical piece right. And it might well be that a lot of people then feel comfortable to go off and do the investment element, because your friend pretty much concentrated on that piece of the yeah, um, it seems so. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's, that's okay. People might feel empowered to then go and do their own investment piece. Now, from experience at Ovation, many people then go, actually, you know everything about me, where I need to head, and I don't really want to have to worry about money until I see you next. Can you sort it out for me? Mm-hmm. But not everybody's going to fit that profile, and I think we have to, and there's an opinion, I know we talked about <laughs> go your own way with this, but my opinion is, is we have to accept a profession, as a profession that not everybody is going to want to work for an advisor and they are likely to be the loudest on certain blogs to say that we're not value for money. But there are swathes of people in this country who are already receiving that trusted advisor and friend next to them. Um, 
or are about to and are going to get value from it. So concentrate on them. I would uh, give two answers to that. Firstly, I would suggest we separate price from value. And if somebody values it, they'll pay the price. So um, they'll pay the, whatever the cost is. Um, the, the second, <laughs> they'll pay the price. They, <laughs> I realise that may have come across badly. Um, the second point, uh, I'm going to get daggers from Tomo for this one, but I'm going in anyway, right? I would suggest that people, no, I wouldn't suggest, I would state that people, generally speaking, don't care about their money. They come to an advisor specifically because they want to say, here's a lump of money, it scares me, I don't know what to do with it, please can you look after it for me? They don't care what the cost is. They don't care what the price is. And I can prove it with three words. I can prove to you with three words that people don't care the price of their financial advice. St. James's Place. In fact, I can do it with two words. Hargreaves Lansdowne. Those two companies are two of the most expensive companies in the market and two of the most successful. Now, whether they, what they do is good or bad, I'm not making any comment on. I think there's lots of good about what they both do. But they are two of the most expensive and they are two of the most popular. So clearly, customers don't really care about the cost. Yeah, bold, bold. That's what we're that's what we're all about here. And uh, Simon, you know, similar question. You know, you know, where do your I mean, what? How do clients arrive at your door? What are they looking for? So I I actually see clients that are quite cost sensitive, perhaps. But I'm also working a lot. So my personal clients are often people that haven't necessarily accumulated a lot of wealth. They might have. Or, or perhaps they have, but they're, but it's all sitting in a pension and it's a workplace pension and, and there's um, no other kind of uh, accessible assets that they, that they have, sometimes anyway. But, um, so your question was how... Do well, how do they get to your door? Yeah, what are they looking for? A lot of people actually are finding me through web searching. So I, I've written a book, they find me through that, or word of mouth, client recommendations, other uh, referrals from other sources... But actually, a, a, a big chunk of finding me through the web. So it's showing that people are looking for something that is different. They're looking for coaching. They're looking for something where they. It's not about products. It's not about. Um, it, it's not even necessarily about planning. Will come into it, but they're not even at that point yet. It's they. They want help with their habits and behaviours. That's the the starting point. Or they're feeling disempowered. They're going through a mediation process and. They're not the, they've never been the one dealing with the finances and they want to sit in that mediation process and feel equipped to handle the questions and to state their, their objectives. Um, so it's, it's that kind of empowerment piece, really. Um, but, but going back to the kind of question of fees, I, I do worry a little bit about the assets under management model um, where it's... You know, I, this might be controversial, and I apologise if this is uh, not, you know, the right thing to say. But, um, but in my mind, it's not a million miles off the commission model, mm. and um, and I think whilst we're being transparent with fees, people don't. If they were asked to pay ten thousand pounds a year to their advisor, I'm not sure they would. I mean, you're not, you know, not alone. We've had people in this studio make very robust uh, mm. arguments you know in favor of the flat flat fees and, and, yet uh, it carries on. and yet, yes it carries on but but I'll, I'll put something out there let the world know that that's an option but let business owners and people make their own decision about what they mm. feel is right i think mifid 2 has done an awful lot of good for actually exposing or well not exposing it clarifying 
what people pay for advice. Um, and that's certainly a step in the right direction. Um, but ultimately, if somebody sees that and still feels it's value for money, fine. But the way in which you charge, provided it's explicitly stated to a client, I think work out what's right for you. Um, there are pros and cons to both methods. Um, but I'm not a big fan of this. You must do it this way. Otherwise, you're a, however you're a crook, or I don't know where you want to put it. But but ultimately, you, you could be unethical and do both, or both different or various different types of it. Of charging. So going back to value, really what this is all about is not about how much you're paying, but what you're getting. And there are plenty of advisors, dare I suggest quite a lot of them, perhaps um, even older than me, uh, who are sitting on their assets under management, taking off their 0.75 or their 1%, and then not actually doing anything. And yeah, I think they're ripe for criticism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what the Financial Wellbeing Institute, sorry, initiative is all about, uh, what the IFW is all about is saying, look, do more for your clients. Make them happy. Because if you make them happy, they'll see value in it and therefore they'll be willing to pay for it. Um, and we want to find lots of ways in which people can not only um, help people to be happier, but also demonstrate it. So one thing that we do at Ovation is a financial wellbeing report whereby every time you do something that you don't directly get paid for but that increases the client's well-being, write it down. Stick it in a report. Um, and then don't just, uh, don't, don't just do a new one each year. Build upon it so that in 10 years' time, you've got a document that the client can see of all the little things that you did over the years. You sort out an ISA for the kids without charging, for example. Um, all the little things you did over the years you didn't charge for that has helped that client to be happier. Well, produce that in a report, give that to a client, and they'll start to value you. And then the argument about fees becomes less of an argument. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for, for the record, I mean, at NMA, we've, you know, we're not saying, we're not sort of tr tr trashing percentage charging any anytime soon, but I mean, I think certainly, you know, the transparency, and this goes back actually to the pre-RDR days and, the, and, and what the RDR did itself, which was that you know what it is you're paying and what you're paying for. Um, Chris is shaking his head. Yeah, I'm wondering if I could be this controversial. All RDR <laughs> did was it mean everybody doubled their fees, as far as <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Another, it's maybe a podcast for another day, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Let's I mean, get back to happiness. To, this no, isn't yeah. making me happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to sum up. So, uh, yeah, yeah, fees aren't making me happy. Um, well, I wanted to sum up, you know, just from, from each of you, kind of what, you know, what you would like to see the this in initiative for financial well-being do for you, I suppose, or what, you know, what if there's a specific thing you'd like to see out of it and why you would, what you would say to advisors listening to this, uh, who are thinking about getting involved or are unsure about it? Why? Why they should sort of, they should get maybe get in contact and and find out a bit more. Stop. I had a I had a coffee with Alan Smith um, of uh, Capital Asset Management. I think they're called, aren't they? Uh, before this, and he asked me, "How will you know when you're done?" Which is always a really good question, and stumped me for a minute. Um, and firstly, I don't think we will be done. I can't imagine we'll ever be at a stage where people can't learn a little bit more about money and happiness. But for me, one of the objectives, and, and I'll know when we've at least achieved that, that objective, is when, if you're going to use the phrase financial well-being, you've got to refer to us, the IFW. I don't mean literally, but I mean, there's got to be something that says, well, would it pass the IFW test? Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> when, in all the people that have come back to us about, about expressing interest, I've been looking at a lot of websites um, because I forgot to put on the, on the application, on the, on the um, contact form, people's location. So I've had to go on that website right. to look at So I've looked at oh, 40, 50 websites of, of um, advisors, and I reckon about 40, 50% of them say, 
we're different from the rest. Well, <laughs> you can't all be different from the rest, can you? So if you're going to use statements like that, if you're going to use we do financial well-being, then do it. So if we can be a beacon for what that really means to help people to do it, but also to be a little test for it, I think that would be a pretty cool thing. And Tom, you mentioned regions. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I, I think that ties in with my own um, personal, what I want to get out yeah. of, of, of the initiative and hopefully then enable others to, to experience the same thing. It's learning. You know, I really, I'm still a practicing planner, advisor, however you want to call it. And uh, I just want to learn. I just, I feel as though this is, if I can tap into some great planners across the country and understand how they're improving clients' lives, then I want to bring that back into ovation and, and ultimately our clients then benefit from it. And the regions are definitely set up for that where we can get around and, and share ideas and get good speakers in um, to talk about these topics for others to share back into the initiative so we yeah. can develop that as a program as well. So yeah, a, a, a tad bit selfish, but for the end benefit <laughs> of uh, the people that- Mutually beneficial. Serve, mutually uh, beneficial. I think, I think that's the way the world works. Absolutely. Simon, yeah. For you, what would you, what would you say to people, and uh, you know maybe advisors, non-advisors, other people in the sort of larger ecosystem uh, that we we're talking about? What you know, what what do you, you know? What's the sort of got you know? Why would they get involved with this? Maybe or I love the idea of helping people achieve their goals in life and and help them get out of their own way and um, and achieve happiness and fulfilment. So that's what it's all about, really, isn't it? Um, if we can help people align their finances to what's truly, truly important and money not to get in the way, money not to be a worry for them, then that's, that's beautiful. And if I can get involved in any way and help any of that, or ultimately I just want people out there to get a fantastic service from their financial advisors, I'd like to help improve the quality of the um, financial planning um, practitioners, if 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 possible, but but ultimately it's about the for me it's all about the end client really. So what people can do um, is they can uh, drop us a line, members at ifw.org.uk. Um, they might want to just come along to an event. Um, they might want to become a member. If they come become a member, you get reduced um, uh, cost of the event. But the most important thing we want from people is to get involved. So we've got these four streams we discussed at the beginning, and any member can become part of those streams. So they can dictate the research. They can get involved in the research. They can ask for a certain project. Um, this is a member-led organization. This is not about a few of us telling everybody else what we think. It's about you know, harnessing the power that we've got, the goodwill that we've got. We get pro bono work going. We want to get this amazing power of, of the brilliant profession that we're in, and we want to do good with it. So we want everybody to get involved with us. Well, I think that's, that's a great place to end. Um, Simon, Chris, uh, and Tom, thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.